Didn't the ladies sound awesome today? It's beautiful, beautiful music today. <clears throat> you know, I love this time of year as the weather gets warmer and families begin uh, making their trips to the swimming pool and things like this. Um, I have fun watching kids get the courage to jump off the diving board or off the side of the pool. You remember this? Maybe when your kids were growing up or grandkids and... and um, trying to get away from, you know, into the deep end. You know, remember going to the deep end in the pool? That was, that was exciting. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, one of the parents is out there, you know, in, in, the, in the deeper water, usually on a pool noodle or something because they can't tread water that long because it takes a kid forever to get to the edge there. And, and uh, the kids stand up there on the diving board, the side of the pool, and they got their big old floaties on, and they got this inflatable ring. They couldn't go underwater if they tried. Or better yet, one of those swimsuits that has all the flotation in it. You know what I'm talking about? They look like a giant human bobber. They might get a little water on their head, but they're not going under. The point of the whole uh, exercise is to encourage and empower this child to experience the greater joys of swimming. To get them away from the steps and the ladder and the side of the pool where they inch their way around and, and let them experience the fullness of what it means to swim. And once a child makes this leap with all that flotation assistance on them, you know, it's not long before they start losing that stuff and they become true swimmers. They get the courage and they find that freedom that really belongs in the pool. I think in this, in my opinion, this is an analogy for life in Christ. All of us have spiritual mentors, guides, teachers, pastors that have encouraged us to make the leap of faith, to step out into the, the deep end. And most of us have made the jump hesitantly. And if you're like I was when I was a kid, you may have had your flotation gear on, but you jump and there's a hand that goes back. You know what I'm talking about? You kind of jump by the pool. I was so afraid my child was going to turn around and just catch their chin, you know, because they, they didn't want to get far away. You know what I'm talking about because you're nodding your head. You're like, yep, I know what you mean. They still, in some ways, have one hand in the world instead of embracing the fullness of the pool or the fullness of God by taking a leap and engaging in all that God has for them. In the family of faith. Now, I'm not saying that this doesn't mean you're not saved. But rather, you have not fully embraced the power of God in your everyday walking around life. You're missing out on the fullness of what it means to belong to Christ. As you know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, it, was a, it was a celebrated festival of feast. And it always happened about 50 days or so after uh, the Passover meal. It is also known as the birthday of the church, Pentecost. It is the day we celebrate where life in Christ begins for each of us. In the scripture, we are told that this day came 50 days after the resurrection, or just 10 days after the ascension of Christ, which we celebrated last Sunday. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
And he says he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it didn't happen exactly at that moment. It waited ten more days. Now, this was not the first and only time the Holy Spirit had ever come upon people. But in the Old Testament, it only came on certain individuals, and those were usually prophets. So it was very narrow in the way the Holy Spirit would visit a person. But this time, and from, and from now on, it's different. Because Jesus has died, because he is resurrected, because he has ascended, the, the, the joy and the fullness of the Holy Spirit is poured out on all who believe. We find the story in Acts chapter 2. If you want to read the whole thing, we're going to read much of it this morning because it tells the best story. Beginning verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all of you, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, like they have a different dialect, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And then some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Now what happened here? The disciples had become conscious of a new inward power which completely transformed their whole outlook. We might call this the divine disturbance. And whenever you would see a crowd, you would look for a disturbance. So if you had been in Jerusalem and seen a crowd gathering 2,000 years ago, you might have expected a disturbance. Something was going on. And on this particular day, you would have found this small group of the followers of Jesus you would have recognized instantly that they were on fire. Literally, you see what I'm saying? Tongues of fire on their head, they were on fire for Jesus. <laughs> we thought we coined that, right? But they, have, they were talking, but they are un, in, a, in a very unusual way. They are, they are, their passionate conviction conveys the power of their message even to men who did not understand their language. They were unusually fearless. Remember, they were hiding after the crucifixion, but now they're not. And they stood and they said what they wanted to say, even though they knew their words might even mean death. And they were amazingly effective. People listened to them. 
They were moved by them and heard them tell the wondrous works of God. This, my friends, is a result of being baptized in and filled with the Holy Spirit. It is like taking that leap of faith into the deep end where you are met with the power of God that sustains you and then propels you in new life. You see, the day of Pentecost is the first time in history that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all who believe. And since then, this baptism has come to you on the day of your surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is the day a believing sinner is placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. It is your initiation. But let me tell you something. When you received salvation, when you accepted Christ, when you made your profession of faith or you were confirmed in the faith, that day you got all the Holy Spirit you were going to get. You got all of it that there is for you to get. You were filled to capacity with the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? You've got all of Him, but does He have all of you? A hundred years ago, a group of pastors had gathered to make plans for a citywide revival, an evangelistic campaign. And one of the pastors that was there suggested that they contact the well-known evangelist D.L. Moody, or Dwight Moody, to be considered as their speaker. And the pastors discussed the suggestion, and several of them spoke very favorably, favorably about Moody. But there was this one young pastor who wasn't in favor of inviting the evangelist. And he stood up and he said with a note of sarcasm in his voice, From the way some of you talk, you'd think Mr. Moody had a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. Well, the room got really quiet. And after a few moments, another pastor spoke up and said, No, he mused, Mr. Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does have a monopoly on Mr. Moody. That was the difference. The fact is, you and I have all the Holy Spirit we will ever need. He came to you in the moment of your salvation. And at that moment, you were placed in the body of Christ, and you, and, and because of this, you are in a position with Him, and He with you. Now, we don't need to confuse the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the filling of the Holy Spirit. There are two, they are very two distinct and different truths about following Christ together. And let me help you out here. I've got some comparisons here. A baptism of the Holy Spirit happens once. Filling of the Holy Spirit can happen many times. There are many fillings of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a past event. It happened at the day of your salvation. Filling is a present reality. It is living and walking in the Spirit, allowing Him to move through you. Baptism is for all believers. The filling is is for obedient believers, those who will continue to follow after Christ and serve Him. Baptism was never commanded. 
It's something that happens as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. But the filling is commanded. Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means be empowered, be led by, be guided, be consumed. Allow Him to have a monopoly of your life. Baptism is a positional truth. It places you in the body of Christ, and the filling is an experiential and practical truth. We experience the movement in our life. Baptism places the believer in the body of Christ, as I've said, and the filling enables the believer to live for Christ. You see the small nuances here? It's like finding yourself in the pool, but not in the deep end. And being filled with the Spirit is swimming in the deep end. You're enjoying every aspect of what it means to be full of and living in the life of Christ. Now, how did this play out on this historic day in history? Let me finish Acts chapter 2, maybe not all of it, but beginning in verse 14. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then Peter begins to quote from memory from the prophet Joel. Remember, he was a fisherman. He didn't go to become a Pharisee or, or to the religious school, but he had enough knowledge of it, and he begins quoting from this prophetic book of the Bible. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Didn't that happen on Good Friday? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, another Old Testament reference, a prophet, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. That was Jesus. He's a descendant of David. 
Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And then look what happens after that little sermon that Peter preached. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what do we do? And Peter replied, You repent and you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And look what's next. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The instant church. All of a sudden. You know, I don't know who needed to hear all of this today, but I believe when the gospel is read, it can stand on its own. It tells the story better than I ever could. But I do know this truth that we just read will set you free. It will set you free to experience God in His fullness and His design for you. Now you may be a person of faith. Maybe you prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into your life at one time and were baptized with water, but, but nothing really changed for you. Life just kind of Kept on going. Maybe after a week or so, you didn't feel like anything had happened. That may be because Jesus gave himself to you, but you have not given yourself to him. Maybe you are a believer that is living a defeated life instead of a victorious one. You can't seem to get over some humps in your life. In that case, you need to ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit. He's already given you His Spirit. Now, you need to ask Him to fill you afresh. Give yourself completely and newly to Him today. Will you do that? And then walk in the new life that He's given you. Let's pray. Father, your grace abounds. And we struggle and strive every day. Trying to do what's right, trying to live a faithful life. When the word is surrender. To give up our striving and trust you. Father, this morning we want to thank you 
for your Holy Spirit that you gave to us at our conversion. And yet today we want to ask for a fresh filling. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and those of us watching online. May we sense your power flowing through us and over us even at this moment. Come, Holy Spirit, refresh, renew, and launch us into new life today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.